In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Natalie. Good morning, church. Uh, If you have your Bibles there, could you open them up to Mark? Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through to 29. Um, I'm actually preaching to myself this morning, but you're welcome to listen in. Um, No, I mean that quite sincerely. You know, I think one of the things that, um, you know, people like me who do this kind of thing for a living... Sometimes there might be the misunderstanding that somehow we've, we've on top of this stuff, but we're never on top of this stuff. Uh, and so I was looking at this passage this week and I really was talking to myself, but I'm going to share it with you guys this morning. So while we're looking that up, let me ask you a question. Are there any worriers here today? Yeah. Let's see your hands. Worriers? Thank you. Any control freaks? Great. Anyone who feels like everything is entirely up to them to get it done. Okay. All right. Stop it. Amen. Barbecue time. All right. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 to 29. Okay. Well, if you're in one of those categories, or all three of those categories like some of us, um, I think this message is for you today because today I want to talk to you about leaning into your limitations. And I think we need to understand that we all have limitations for the most part. We just do. It's just human beings, we have limitations. And and for the most part, you know, we're okay with that. Uh, We catch planes because we can't fly. We go to the doctor because we're not medical professionals. We sleep because we cannot stay up in perpetuity. You know, we bump into our limitations in all sorts of ways every single day. Um, And we're kind of okay with that. Since we're okay with that, why is it then that sometimes we forget our limitations when we're dealing with God? And beyond just forgetting our limitations, sometimes we actually impose those limitations on Him. We try and make something happen instead of trusting God to do something. We waste so much time worrying and being anxious about things over which we have no control. We sweat drops of blood trying to come up with solutions rather than simply asking God. In other words, we unthinkingly try and get God to work within our limitations rather than work within the way he actually is. So this morning I want to look at this parable of Jesus because I think that Jesus is giving us a very important insight in how to life in the kingdom actually works in relation to that very problem that seems to plague us all to various degrees. So in Mark chapter 4, verse 26, I'm going to read it. It's only three verses. He also said, so this is Jesus speaking, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground... Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Now, here's what I want us to get in this this morning. The invitation of Jesus to people is not an invitation to believe in something so in order that you, when you die, you might go to heaven. Now, I don't want to diminish the eternal aspects of the kingdom of God and what Jesus was on about. But I think we have so far overemphasized that to the detriment of the here and now. And the fact that Jesus invites us into a way of life and a way of living. This is why it was originally called, people that follow Jesus were called followers of the way. It is about life in the here and now. And perhaps one of the most challenging things about learning to live in the kingdom of God in the here and now is is realising that so much of it is actually beyond us. 
It is actually beyond us in that being apart from being responsible for ourselves and being obedient to what we've been called to do, it's not something we can have all worked out, it's not something we can produce and it's not something we can control. But what I want us to understand, it is the only way to live in the kingdom and the first step for many of us is simply acknowledging that reality and being accepting of it because here's the thing. God is bigger than us. The kingdom has a life of its own and is so far beyond us that when we accept our limits and work within our limits, the possibilities for the type of life that we have can become almost limitless. That's what I want us to understand this morning. So we'll go through this, this passage like blow by blow because I think there's three things I want to talk to us about this morning. And the first is that the kingdom is beyond our best ideas. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Yes, whenever Jesus was trying to, to tell people what the kingdom of God was like, he always told parables and stories full of simile and metaphor. All right? And the reason he did that is because the kingdom defies a simple definition, a simple explanation. Okay? It, he would always say, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And he would tell story after story after story, employing simile and metaphor, things that people could understand to try and give them an idea of the richness and the texture and the bigness of this thing. Stories upon stories, different stories, contrasting stories. So it wasn't even like it's always this way. Sometimes it's like this. Okay? Jesus would always tell these stories because the kingdom defies a simple definition. Now, I can, I can give you a definition, and I stress a definition, not the definition, just in case you're wondering, what on earth is this man talking about this morning, the kingdom of God? What is that thing? Well, well, well broadly speaking, when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he's talking about life where God gets his way. Okay, life as it was always intended to be, the world as it was intended to be. So when Jesus would heal someone, he'd go, the kingdom of God is here. Why would he say that? Because in God's world, there is no sickness, is there? When he would come across people who'd be living a life that was less than their best, okay, and they decided that they no longer wanted to live that life anymore, they wanted to actually change the way they thought about life and approach it in a different way, Jesus would say things like, the kingdom has come to this place. Whenever there was restoration of people, acceptance of people, whenever we th see things like peace and joy and love and kindness and generosity instead of selfishness, there you're seeing the kingdom of God. So it's, it's the world and it is life the way God intended it to be. That is what the kingdom is. But even in giving you that simple definition, and it is only a definition because someone else could explain it differently again, and that kind of reinforces my point, it doesn't come close to telling you exactly what it is like. That's the limits of our imagination. That's the limits of our language to be able to grasp something that is so beyond us. We come, we, we come across this stuff in lots of ways. I mean, for example, what is love? Can someone explain to me love? Tell me what love is. Now, we can pick up Merriam-Webster and we can pull out a dictionary definition, yes? And we can talk about how we use the word love and we have a broad understanding of that's what I mean. But does that actually get to the essence of love? Is anyone here today? No? Okay, good. All right. You're either so bored or so engrossed. I'm... Anyway. Okay, bit of both. All right. So, anyway. So, we can't... We can't, you know, we can't even talk about love. But, you know, Paul says, love is kind. Oh, good. Oh, no, but it's also what? Patient. And it's gentle. And it's long-suffering. 
and so on and so on. But even then, that is not an exhaustive list for what love is like, is it? Okay, love is beyond that. It's holding someone's hair while they throw up in the toilet, isn't it? That is an act of love, all right? That's what love looks like. It has, it's buying a bunch of flowers. It's not repaying unkindness. It's a whole range of things. Love is this massive thing. Well, the kingdom, this is why Jesus had to use story. He had to use parable. He always had to begin it with, when people were saying, well, what's his kingdom about, Jesus? He would go, well, it's like this. And try and give them something that you could get their minds around, something tangible they could hand, hang on to, because the reality of it was so far beyond what our language can express. And that is the limitation of language. Language is, is not always precise. It's, at best, sometimes it's just an approximation of something. It's as close as we can get some, to something. But in order to describe it, we have to resort to all different types of stories and simile and metaphor and action and examples of things. And even then, it still doesn't cover it sometimes. Now, all this by way of saying that the kingdom of God is bigger and better than even our best ideas. This is what I want us to understand. When Jesus uses that phrase, the kingdom of God is like, he's coming down to a level that we can understand with the understanding that it is still so far beyond all of that. The kingdom of God is bigger and better than all of our best ideas. And why is that so important? Okay, Because this is one of the first limits that we have to accept that the kingdom of God ultimately is beyond my complete comprehension and beyond my imagination. It is so much bigger than I can get my head around. And why is that important? Because in the simplest terms, it means it is not my job to tell God how a thing should be done. My job is to ask. I have a part to play in it, but not to tell. And the reason it's my job to ask and not to tell is because my understanding of what is possible is incredibly limited. Are you with me on that? So the kingdom of God is beyond my imagination. It is bigger and better than anything I could possibly conceive. When I step into the role of imposing my limitations on what God can do, I immediately limit the possibilities of what God could do. Okay? This is where we have to be really careful. But how many of us do that? How many of us apply for a job and we say to God, get me that job? Because in our mind, we think that is the best job for us, yes? And I'm not saying it's not a good job. I'm not saying it doesn't stack up. It doesn't tick a lot of boxes for us. As to whether or not it is the best job for us may depend on a whole range of other circumstances that we don't even know about. But rather than just go, God, I need a job and I want the best job that you could possibly get for me that you know will be best for me and best for the people I work for. God, I want that job. Where again, we're imposing our limitations on him. We have a need. We tell God how to meet that need. Not God, I have a need. Show me what you can do. We're like, God, I want you to answer it in this way. We look for signs. God, give me a sign. And then we tell God the sign that we want him to give us. To our mind, the stuff we tell God what to do may be the best thing, but as far as we're concerned, but it doesn't mean that it is the best thing. See, the king of this kingdom, and this is what we have to understand and what Jesus was always at pains to, for, to help people understand as well, and then Paul, when he was writing his stuff, the king of this kingdom, if this kingdom is bigger and beyond our comprehension, then the king of this kingdom is as well. And Paul actually says he can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. You know, the problem with my asking is my limited imagination. That's the problem I have. It's, sometimes it's not being afraid to ask. It's just that my imagination is so limited, <laughs> my asking isn't worthy of the one I'm asking. 
because I've already brought him down to the level that I think is possible. And he is beyond the limits of our possibilities. Life in the kingdom isn't limited to what we can conceive. It is limited to what he can achieve. And we don't get to tell him how that works. He can do more than we can imagine. Now, maybe for some of us, the limitations that we place on God aren't so much to do with, with God's ability as much as God's willingness. Maybe some of that limitation that we place on God isn't that we don't believe that he could do anything, it's that we believe he won't do anything because it's just me. That he won't do that thing for me. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You know, We can believe big for other people, we can, be, we can be, believe big for the church, but when it comes to us, we kind of impose our own thinking about ourselves back onto God and we tell him, this is not something you're going to do for me. Any people feel like that this morning? We don't get the right to do that. The limits of how we see ourselves cannot be posed upon God, imposed upon God either. We have to step away from this. So there's a lot to unpick in that, but I guess what I would want to say to you for now is don't tell God how he can care for you. Don't tell God how he has to answer that prayer. Don't tell God what he needs to do in that situation because it will always be bigger and better than you could imagine. So are you placing limits on what you think God can do in your life? Are you unwittingly setting the boundaries? Are you asking or are you telling? Secondly, the kingdom of God is beyond our best effort. Jesus goes on to say in verse 26 and 27, a man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. And I love this, though he doesn't know how. Now we know that we know basically how seeds grow and work. We know about the nutrients in the soil and the water and the sunlight and all of that sort of stuff. But I guess what Jesus' point in this is that, that this guy just sows his seeds and then gets on with his life because he knows it's actually going to grow. So if the kingdom is beyond our best ideas, then it's definitely beyond our best effort as well. A man scatters seed on the ground and whether he sleeps or gets up, whether he watches telly or whether he goes on holiday, where he stays up all night worrying about it or whether he just gets on with his life, that seed, if it is planted in the soil, is going to grow. Although he doesn't know how it happens. And the reason I love that is because um, I was listening to a podcast the other day and there was these couple of young guys who were telling their story. They just, five years ago, they planted a church up in a part of America which is the most unchurched part of America or de-churched part of America. Less than 5% of people who live in this part of the States um, actually have any kind of real belief in God. So it's, it's hardcore anti-sort of Christian, not anti, but non-Christian type of area. So they decided they're going to plant a church there. Secondly, they decided to do it in a way that, that really didn't resonate with the people they were trying to reach. Long story short, in five years, it's just gone gangbusters and they're in 10 locations now. And so the person who was interviewing them was saying to them, so tell us how you did that. And their answer was, we don't know. We don't know. We have no idea how that happened. And it's been interesting. As I've listened to stories about people where God has really used them powerfully and they've, they've started something, you know, they've planted a seed, they've gone out there and they've tried to do something, even not knowing what they're doing, um, and it takes off. 
When people are pushing them for like, tell us what the secret source is so we can copy it, you know, tell us how to do this thing so we can do it too, invariably they come back and they say, we don't know. We honestly don't know. And I think back to the time when we were church planting, I mean, I knew nothing. And guess when our church grew best? When I was happy with knowing nothing. When things start to get sticky, it's when I think I know how it all works. And the reason things get sticky when I think I know how it all works is because it becomes entirely dependent on and my cleverness and my ability. Does anyone know what I'm talking about there? You know? There's something to be said about being blessedly ignorant, isn't there? Okay? There's something to be said for not having a flippant clue what you're doing, but doing it anyway. I think Jesus even said that. It's, it's cool not to have a flipping clue, right? Um, like, it's in the Bible, isn't it, Jay? You'll back me up on that. Thanks, mate. Good, good. Okay. It's okay because it's not about what we can produce. It's about what he can produce. Now, there's a part of me, there's this kind of, and this may be your drum too, I am a rational being. I employ reason. I think about things. And there's stuff about the kingdom that just defies rational thinking. It defies reason. It sounds sloppy and it sounds lazy and it sounds wishy-washy and it sounds superstitious sometimes when I say it. Is anyone else with me on that? When you go, I'm just going to do it and I'm just going to leave it up to God. You know, sometimes I hear people say that. I hear myself say that and I feel like saying, take responsibility for yourself. Stop making excuses, you lazy so-and-so. But it is how the kingdom actually works. There is a point at which we can do no more. See, that's what I like about this parable. Jesus doesn't let us off the hook. The man scatters the seed. He has a part to play in this. And let's just say it was shorthand because we know that that people didn't just throw seed randomly and then get on with their life. You've got to water that seed. You've got to tend that seed. Maybe if there's foxes, you've got to put up a fence. Maybe you've got to put up a scarecrow. I don't know. I don't grow things, right? But here's the point, all right? Here's the point. You don't just throw the seed and then walk away. We've got a responsibility, but that responsibility is only up to a point. You keep digging up that seed to see if it's growing, you're going to kill it. You inject it with hormones and you're going to kill it. You know what I mean? There's a point up to which we've done all we can do and then the dirt has to do its work. All right? That's it. And that's what we're talking about with the kingdom of God. Do what we can do, but then we need to step away. We need to go, that line is the limit. I can't produce this. I can't bring this into being. From this point on, anything that happens has to be of God. Now, again, I step outside myself and I hear myself say that and I say, that's sloppy, lazy, irrational, superstitious thinking. I'm just being honest about the inner conflict that I have here, guys, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that, all right? But I guess that's what faith is, isn't it? Faith is not believing things that aren't true. Faith is, faith is actually choosing to believe that, that this God that I actually do believe in, I believe is real and I believe that he's bigger than anything and nothing, for whom nothing is impossible. Then my faith is going, I don't get it. So up to this line, that's what I'm going to do beyond that God. It has to be up to you. And then stand back and see what happens. We have that ongoing responsibility, but beyond that, it's up to God. Now, some of us might be sitting here going, yeah, well, that's not my story. I've done what I can do and then absolutely nothing. 
And I go, okay, you know, maybe sometimes that happens. Maybe there's things that we don't understand and maybe we need to press in and ask God what's going on here. But on reflection, when as I thought about this, as it relates to me and where this has been my situation, where I've gone, hey, nothing seems to be happening, I believe the answer has been very simple. I've still got my hands all over it. I might think like I've stepped back. I might, like think, I might think I've gone, oh God, now do something miraculous. with. But the whole time I'm worrying, the whole time I'm trying to control the direction, the whole time I'm trying to produce the outcomes. Yeah? And again, it's not about not trying. It's just about recognising the limitations in this. And today even, I, I feel like even this, this preaching is, is enacting this. Because I wasn't supposed to preach this week. Someone else was. And they couldn't do it. And so here I am. And I didn't want to do it. Because I'm not feeling it. So what I'm doing is going, well, then I'll bring whatever I can to the table. The rest just has to be up to God. Because you know what? If any of this making any difference in your life is about me, it ain't going to be very powerful at all. It's not going to go very far. I even remember Billy Graham saying that. Someone once asked Billy Graham, how many people do you think you've converted? And he said, I hope no one, because if it's me, it's not going to last. And this is what Paul actually said at one point. To the Corinthians, he said, brothers, when I came to you, my words were not with wise and persuasive language. I hear you, Paul, okay. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God. You know, Paul preached so long one night, someone fell out a window and died. That's how boring the man was. That's how long he droned on. I've never killed anyone. (laughs) That I'm aware of. If anyone's got a story to tell me later, like, I know someone who, you know, yeah, they fell asleep driving home because you just bored them. Okay. Um, But but I guess that's just, I guess that's what's showing you that this guy was not an enigmatic speaker. He was not someone who could hold a room. And yet wherever he went, people responded to this message of the gospel. They responded to the good news of Jesus, even though it was a foreign thing to them. And he left the kingdom in his wake. And I think, isn't why I, why I want us to lean into our limits and why I think this is a real blessing message for us is that we get to take ourselves off the hook. When we've done all we can do, when we've done the best we possibly can, we get to stop and then just not take responsibility for anything beyond that because it's not up to us. Yeah, it's up to God. It means I don't have to lie awake worrying. I don't have to, if I feel like I'm tanking here today, I don't have to try and force it, although I probably will. I just have to stand back and go, hey, This was on my heart. This is the best I could do. God, take it away. And that's all any of us can do at any point at all. And the reason I think it works like this, beyond the obvious, which is uh, we can't do the stuff that really matters, we can't produce the incredible stuff that only God can do, is that in the final analysis, the ability to say, (laughs) The only way this can be explained is by God is that we're meant to be pointing people to God and to Jesus and not to ourselves. Yeah? But in order for us to be able to have that story, you know, it's like the blind man we were talking about a few weeks ago, wasn't it? 
tell us how this happened? I don't know. He's a sinner. I don't know. And then standing up there before people and, and saying to them, look, what, the, the theology around this guy, I don't understand. I don't know. All I know is I was blind, but now I can say he healed me. You know, I mean, that's meant to be our story, not just collectively, individually. How did this happen? I don't know. All I can tell you is I had this idea and I, I seeded this idea and I did what I could and beyond that, God has just taken this in, in a way that I could never imagine. And then he gets the credit and he gets the glory and not us, amen? And that's the way it's meant to work. You know, if we're not able to point to things that we don't understand, then maybe we're not living in that pocket, are we? If, we, if, we can own, if everything in our life is only explicable or explainable, sorry, I don't know which word's which this morning, but you take it and use it as you feel free. Um, explainable by my effort and my cleverness and how I've done this, there's no room for God in that and we have no story to tell. We're meant to have stories to tell, but in order to have stories to tell, we've got to know our limits and we've got to respect them and we've got to then allow God to do what he can do. There is real freedom in that. And finally, I want to finish with this. The kingdom is beyond our control. Jesus goes on and says, All by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. If we don't like the reality that the kingdom is beyond our best ideas and beyond our best effort, then we're really going to hate the fact that the timing of the kingdom is beyond our control. Does anyone else love that idea? Yeah, okay. I know all good things take time, but the time I want good things to take is now. Yesterday, ASAP. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to wait. That's why I have a microwave. Okay? I don't want to wait. Telstra have taught me how to wait. But other than that, I don't want to wait. I want it, and I want it now. I want to plant the seed, and then I want to harvest it, and I want to enjoy it, all in the same action. Impatient people of the world unite, hey? But the kingdom takes time because the process is just as important as the outcome, and that's not something we should rush or try and control in any way. So as you know, my eldest daughter is pregnant, and uh, I am going to be a grandfather, although I am far too young and beautiful to be a grandfather. <clears throat> but I'm going to be a grandfather. And, uh, sorry? No. And, um, you know, when you, when, you know, I was thinking about when we were, we say when we were pregnant, but it's not really we that's pregnant, is it? I mean, she was pregnant. Uh, <laughs> And when you find out you're pregnant for the first time, you just cannot wait to hold that baby in your arms, can you? I mean, you just want to be there. But you know what? If those nine months aren't allowed to fulfil themselves in their own time, in their own way, if that baby makes its entry in the world too early, that's a really dangerous thing, isn't it? You know, all sorts of things have to happen for that baby to enter the world to be able to disconnect from the mothership in a really safe way, Okay. So you do not want to rush that. There's a process that needs to play out for very good reason. 
You know, you may, you may be really hankering for that cake and you get home and you make that cake and you pop it in the oven and you just want to eat that cake. I actually feel like cake now. Um, <laughs> is anyone bags of vanilla slice after the service? Um, you crank that oven up as high as it's going to go. You're not going to have a cake, you're going to have charcoal. Or you pull it out before it's ready and you've got slop. It needs, to, it needs the time that it needs. And that's true of everything. Everything needs the time that it needs. And we can't rush it. And we shouldn't try and control it. And we have to be at peace with that. Even if we don't understand all the ins and outs and the whys and wherefores. Again, it is, a, an, it is an element of faith to be able to go, I want it now, but I know, God, that your timing is everything. It is perfect. In fact, that's something I say a lot around here and a lot in my own life. And it's, off, it's always retrospectively, it's all, always at the end of something when I look back and I go, oh, of course, but what it has done when I've been able to look back on that sort of stuff is tell me when we're in the middle of something, timing is everything. You can't see it now, but there's a reason this thing is not materialising as fast as you want it to. And at some point, you will look back and you will go, aha, now I know why it took that long. Because if it hadn't taken that long, all these things would not have been in place. Seed. Stalk, head, kernel, then harvest. Things have to be ready. We have to be ready. Have you considered that? That maybe we're not ready for that thing that we think is going to be so good for us. Good things can have bad outcomes for people that aren't ready, yes? And so this process for us is important. You know, we need to consider that there are factors that we haven't even thought about that need to form part of this thing, that need to be in place. That maybe the thing that we want right now is not the best thing for us right now, but God knows what is best for us. And again, the limitations of our, that, that we have to operate under tell us that we don't see it all. We don't understand it all. We're not aware of it all. We just have to trust God in that. You know, there are two words, most of you will know this, two words in the Greek New Testament for time. One is chronos, which is just chronological time. Seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, right? The other is kairos, which means what? Who wants to be a Greek scholar today? Oh, come on. Don't do it half-heartedly, go. means opportune time, okay? Opportune time, it means Kairos time is like the right moment. And Paul says in Galatians, when it comes to talking about the timing of Jesus coming into this world, he says, at just the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, into the world. That's Kairos time. Now, why was that time better than any other time? I don't know. No one really does. But somehow within the plans and the purposes of God, that point in time was the best time for Jesus to enter the world. Now, we could argue, wouldn't it be better today? We've got the internet. <laughs> We've got mobile phones. You wouldn't have to write gospel stories. You could film people getting healed. 
Put it on Instagram. Put it on Facebook. Put it on our website. But for some reason, that was the best time. The limits of my understanding put me in a position where I just have to go, yeah, then I'm just going to trust you in that. I'm going to trust that that was the best time. And when it comes to the stuff in my life and your life, the personal stuff that we're waiting for, we just have to be able to go, <laughs> okay, I'm going to trust that you have this. There are things that I don't even, I'm not even factoring those things in. There's stuff about me that needs to shift and change as well. There needs to be preparation on the other end. I'm just going to trust and believe that you have this. See, maybe some of us are getting really impatient right now. And we're telling ourselves, time is not on my side. That's okay. You don't need time on your side because God is on your side. Okay? Nothing is impossible. Nothing is ever too late. God's timing is absolutely perfect. Now, where I want to leave us with this this morning is if you're in one of these areas where you're struggling you're getting prescriptive with God. You're telling him how things to go because you think you've got it worked out. Maybe you need to step back from that and just allow him to answer those things in the way that he wants to answer them because I can tell you now, it'll be better than anything you can come up with. Okay? You need to accept that limit. Lean into that limit that even our best ideas don't even come close to how good God is and what he can do for us. All right? And maybe we need to step back a little bit too in terms of our... Um, um, our, our belief that we can produce things, that our efforts can do things. Maybe we need to look at what we're doing in our life, in that thing that we're trying to make work. Are we just pushing this and we're not allowing God to actually do what he needs to do? Is the reason he can't do something with it is because we won't let go of it right now out of our own fear and insecurity or whatever? And maybe when it comes to the timing thing too and we feel like it's, it, like I said, time's not on our side and we need this and we need it now, trust. Trust that, that he knows... <laughs> He knows the days that are recorded for you, yes? You don't. He knows what the rest of your life is. He's already seen it. That he's okay with this. But beyond all of that, remember that God is good and he is kind and he is faithful and that if it matters to you, it matters to him, all right? It actually matters to him because he cares for you. He's got this. Accept your limits. Live in them. Let yourself off the hook and let God be God. Amen? Amen. All right. We're going to have communion now. Let's take some time to just, I don't know, do some business with God around that. If there's a fear or a doubt in you this morning um, about something that's going on, something you're wanting to see happen, something you need to hand over, hand it over this morning. Um, do some business with God. We'll get the team up there and um, thank you.